Well, hello. Yes, I'm Kate Gennardu, and I'm finishing off our series called Infinite Playlist. And yes, we are looking at the book of Psalms. And uh, as we always let you know at the beginning, the Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. And it was a, a book. It's, it's filled with some beautiful poem songs um, and, uh, and verses. It was written by about, uh, well, quite a number of people. But it was over about a thousand years plus. And um, it contains, yeah, 150 of these beautiful writings. And I'm going to share one of you, uh, one with you tonight, which is one of my favorites. And it's a bit obscure. It's not that well known. But it is actually Psalm 67. And the reason I like it so much is because it's all about blessing. And I like blessing. Do you like blessing? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love blessing? But it's all about blessing. And I feel like it's a really, it's an appropriate message for this season because we don't always feel right now in the midst of this lockdown, in the midst of this pandemic, we might not be feeling that blessed and looking for the blessing in your lives. You know, it can be quite hard. I know we've had this amazing weather during the summer, which has made lockdown really easy for certain people. And, um, but for a lot of people, it's, it's not that easy. It's not been easy not seeing their loved ones, uh, not being able to go out freely, uh, restricted movement, restricted flights. Um, it actually has been hard, and we've had an economy that is now um, in recession. Jobs are difficult to find. Grad schemes are being cancelled. So for a lot of people, the future is looking really uncertain. And so what, what we want to look at tonight is, you know, how can you know the blessing of God when your future looks that uncertain? How can we know the blessing of God when it's quite hard, when there's difficulty around us, when there's death, when there's suffering, when there's disease? How do we seek the blessing of God? And so we're going to look at this psalm, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it out to you now. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy it. And, and I really pray that you get a lot out of this message, that it is a message that really hits your heart and fills it with hope, because I think that's what it is. That's what this message contains. It's a real message of hope and God's will to bless us and do us good in any season. So, so lean in, press in, and get as much out of it as you can. So here's the psalm. It says... May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now, anybody here who's paying attention might recognize the first line. If we put the first line of the, uh, the psalm on the screen... Um, may God be gracious to us and bless us. You might recognize that because we've been singing it here at Metro. Do you remember we did the blessing? It's a song that was, uh, I think, Tim Hughes gathered all the church leaders around the UK to sing this wonderful song. And, uh, and we reproduced it here very badly. Um, that's because Matt didn't tell us what key we were all singing it in. And then some people who were so talented, you know, there are people in Metro who are incredibly talented, absolutely everything, but they're not very talented at singing. <laughs> and those are the people using, I'm not mentioning any names. But we did that song. 
And it's taken, that blessing is, is taken straight out of scripture. It's taken out of the book of Numbers. And it was a, um, it was a, a word, it was a declaration, a proclamation that God gave to Aaron, who was Moses' brother, and said, I want you to declare this over the people of Israel. You are to declare blessing over their lives. And he spoke this blessing, and it was to bless them, and it was for God's face to shine upon them, and it was a blessing that would pass to their children's children. It was a cross, you know, a, a generational uh, blessing, but it was and absolutely, it, it was a beautiful, but it was a powerful blessing, and it was a powerful proclamation over the people of Israel that God was going to walk with them and bless them. Now, when you speak to Jewish people, people of the faith, the is, uh, descendants of Israel, if you like, they know what that word means. They know what it is to be blessed. They get it. It's the kind of divine hand of God steering and guiding and directing their lives, keeping them from harm, making sure they're fed, whether it's in the desert with quail and manna. But it's the hand of God directing and, and guiding and protecting their lives. We, in a secular society in the UK, we don't really understand what that means. Most of us don't think about God being the orchestrator of our lives in a secular society. I don't know what people do think in the UK. I, I, I sort of look on TV to find out, you know, what do people think their lives are governed by? What, what controls their lives? You know, you watch Love Island and uh, you just think, but do people actually think about, you know, what causes certain outcomes to happen? You know that phrase they go, it is what it is. It's like, I, don't, I can't be bothered to think about it. It is what it is, you know. Do you realize why this relationship hasn't worked out? It is what it is. Or you might, do, do you realize why your life has turned out like this? It is what it is. And you, you just feel that some people don't actually give it a lot of thought, you know. Ha why is your life good? Why is your life happy? And, or why is it not happy? And a lot of people think it's just left a chance. Some people are happy, some people aren't. Some people are fortunate, some people aren't. And there are others who believe actually there is some kind of justice. There's this karma at work. You know, if you do good, good will happen. If you do bad, bad will happen. And I think the prevailing kind of like ideology in the secular UK society would be we really just get what we deserve. Would you agree with that? Not if you do. If you don't, think no, Kate, I don't agree. You get what you deserve? Do you think that? I think we think in the UK, predominantly in our lives, we pretty much get what we deserve. And um, I think there are a lot of people during the pandemic who might even think that this pandemic is what we deserve. You know, we eat too many bats or we've encroached on wildlife or too much air travel to sort of spread the disease too far. We, we've not looked after the planet. There might be a lot of people who think... This is, our, this is our reward. This is our just desserts. We get what we deserve. We deserve this pandemic, so we just sort of weather it. Do you know that the God, the holy God of Israel, the holy God who we love and serve, does not want us to get what we deserve? It's the founding principle of grace. And can we put that first line back up? Not the principle, just that first line. May God be gracious to us. And it's what the psalmist, he reaches out to God and he knows that the defining characteristic of his God is grace. It's the fact that we don't get what we deserve. God loves us so much that he never wants to give us what he deserves. So the psalmist says, oh God, be gracious. 
Be gracious. Give us favor, even though we are the least deserving of it. Be gracious to us. And then on the basis of that grace, he says, bless us. Bless us. Now, here we go back to it again. What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean for God to bless us? And I actually found this trickier than you might think. I looked in the New Testament. I found the Greek word. Uh, Am I saying it right? I think... um, Ellie's in the room. She's a Greek. She speaks fluent Greek. Uh, oh, there she is. And uh, I said, is it makarios? Yes, makarios. And I said, do you, know, do you know what that means? And she said, no, I don't. <laughs> makarios is the Greek word in the New Testament, which we translate every time with the word blessed. So what does that mean when it uses, when, when the, the New Testament uh, writers wrote it, what, what did they want to communicate? Well, I did a lot of reading, a lot of research, and basically that makarios means you're sort of, you're lifted out of the difficulties and struggles of the ordinary person, and you have enough provisions to make your life, you know, happy and carefree. You are safe. You are protected. You're very secure. You have happy relationships. You have children. You're fertile. Sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> it makes women sound like a piece of land. But, you know, you have multitudes of children. Uh, but that's what bless meant. You didn't have the struggles and worries. Children was your sort of your future guaranteed, by the way. That's why it was important uh, back in Israel. So you were away from the sort of the worries of the ordinary person who was thick in the kind of difficulties and the struggles, you know, and the horrors of life. You were blessed. You were out of it. But then when you look at the Beatitudes, Jesus says something different, doesn't he? He said, blessed are the poor and blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you when you mourn. And you think, well, these people are blessed, but they're, they're in the thick of all the troubles of this world. So what does that mean? So blessed doesn't mean what, what it means in the other context. So I went back to the Hebrew. I went back to this verse, and I went back to that, that blessing found in Numbers to see what is the word in the Hebrew. And the word in the Hebrew is uh, is anybody speak fluent Hebrew in the room? <laughs> Am I going to be in trouble if I mispronounce this word? Okay, I think it is Yevarekeka. I don't know, but I think that's how you pronounce it. Yevarekeka, thanks. Have you been learning Hebrew at Trinity? No. You did Greek. Okay, we, we could do with some Hebrew knowledge here. Anyway, Yevarekeka. Yevarekeka is it means it means you know God bless you, but it's a sense of to lift up, to raise up, to give esteem, to give honour, to revere even. Whoa, that's a bit different, isn't it? I found that really interesting, and I thought I can go with this one because it just seems to be more consistent with all the meanings in the other contexts. To lift up, to raise up, to give honour, to esteem. Ooh. It made me think of when I was a little girl. I was born in the 70s. That's a long, long time ago, although I, I know I only look 16, don't I? But I was born in the 70s, and in the 70s, children weren't treated as reverently as they are in today's society. We didn't have child protection, really. I think it was very infant. So when you're in school, the teachers could hit you. If they didn't like what they saw, they could hit you. We used to come home with big red marks on our legs if we were naughty. Actually, I, I was never naughty, so I never had a red mark. But my brother had loads of red, you know, came back, couldn't sit down. And if 
Your, your, your friend's, you know, if your, your friend's mum didn't like what you were doing, she could smack you. If you were in the street and some complete stranger didn't like what you were doing, they could smack you. And you just felt like kids really were not respected. They were not really well treated. They were like really low in the social status, not like now when you've got king baby. But in my day, kids were, we were still seen but not heard. But I had this granny who was lovely to me. She was so sweet. And when I was about 10, 11, she used to like my company. We used to have good old chats. And uh, she'd say, would you like to come over, Kate, um, have a cup of tea with me? So I used to pop over to Granny's. And she used to guide me to her best drawing room. She was quite posh, my Granny. And she used to sit me on her best sofas and give me her best china. A bit like when you go to Roy and Sandra's. Have you ever been to Roy and Sandra's? Yes. They just get the best china out for you. And she used to sit me down and we used to talk about current affairs and politics. I didn't know anything. It went over my head. But I was so grateful to be treated like an adult. And she seemed to give me so much respect and honour and dignity. And I thought, I really like this. And when I left Granny's, I used to just feel really blessed. So I suddenly thought, yeah, I felt like my granny just stooped and lifted you know, she lifted me up for that little moment when we were having our cup of tea. And it reminded me of a psalm, Psalm 18, which says, God stooped, you stooped down to make me great. And I thought, yes, blessing is that kind of the reaching down of God to, to restore us up to a level of honor and a level of greatness that we really don't deserve. So my first principle for you guys today, because we are discussing blessing in this psalm, is this. Principle one, blessing is a lifting up by God. That's what I think it means. To be blessed is when God lifts you up. So that brings me to the second verse, which is interesting. It says in, in the, the next line, it says, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations so that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among the nations now this is interesting i just learned three things from this line the three things that i learn about blessing is number one the blessing of god is supposed to cause you and me to act in ways that reveal god's character we're supposed to receive the blessing of God, and it's supposed to create a transformation. Now, I was telling you, when I went to my granny's, you know, she would bless me and, and treat me with such honor and dignity that I just felt I wanted to please her. I wanted her face to shine on me. I wanted her approval. And often when I tried to achieve in life, I remember I was really doing it for my granny because she showed me such respect. But I think that the first thing that I get from this line is that the blessing of God, when it comes to us, its purpose is to produce a goodness, a godlikeness in us, out of us, through us. And I know this principle's true because I work in a school, it's quite a rough school, and I can tell you by the behavior of the children who's got the worst home lives. It really is as, as obvious as that. Kids who behave badly, it's a reflection of what's going on at home. They can't. They even say to me, I, I can't behave. It's because my home life's such a muddle and a mess. They don't use those language. They use very rude words, but they are telling me that what's going on at home is not great, and it is reflected. They are not blessed at home, so it cannot be communicated or reflected in their behavior. 
So the first thing I learned is that the blessing of God is supposed to come and it's supposed to affect our behavior. It's supposed to make us want to live in more of a godly way and reflect God's way and God's likeness. The second thing I learned from this phrase is that the blessing of God is for a purpose. It's jolly meant to produce God likeness. It says, the, um, can I have that scripture back up, Izzy, so I can see it? <laughs> It says, bless me so that your ways may be known. The so that clause, you know, this is in order to, for the purpose of, that your ways are revealed. So the psalmist is on board. He says, I I know the blessing is, is to reveal a God character through my life. But I get that the purpose of blessing is always to reveal the character and the, the nature of God. You know, if you don't think... That, that blessing is to reveal God's character. If you just think that blessing is for you. So, for example, supposing I'm the CEO of Amazon and I'm blessed with one trillion. It's two trillion, isn't it? I'm blessed with a couple of trillion. And I just think, oh, the Lord has blessed me. Okay, if, if that is just wealth, but I don't use that wealth to reveal, how, how would I reveal the character of God using that wealth? Well, I would give it away, wouldn't I? I would lift other people out of poverty, I would use it to reveal the generosity, the kindness, the benevolence of God. If God gives me wealth, I use it to reveal the character of God. If I have wealth, the purpose of it is to reveal the character of God. But if I don't, if I choose not to, then that provision is not a blessing anymore. It's just wealth. And Jesus says in the Bible, actually, if, if it just is wealth, it actually becomes a hindrance to you. It's not a blessing anymore because he says in the New Testament, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to inherit the kingdom of God. That wealth, which should have been a blessing to reveal the character of God, if you don't use it for the purposes of God, it's not a blessing anymore. It's actually a hindrance. And so we see, does everybody get that? Is that understandable? Did I make sense? Yeah. The blessing is, the purpose of it is to reveal the nature of God. If you don't use that blessing, if you just sit on it and it's just for you, it actually becomes something that is an obstacle in your relationship with God. It's not designed for that. And the other thing about blessing is that it's intricately linked with the person of God. Blessing comes from God. It's part of his nature. And blessing is supposed to reveal God's nature and God's ways and God's likeness. If the blessing does not reveal God's ways, the blessing is removed. In the Old Testament, God said to Abraham and and the people of Israel, he said, if you walk in my ways, I will bless you. But if you stop walking in my ways, I won't bless you. It's as simple as that. The blessing is to reveal the ways. If you don't reveal the ways, you're not going to get the blessing. And in fact, you've ruined the blessing anyway because it's now become something that you've determined not to use for the glory of God. So my principle number two about blessing is the purpose of blessing is to reveal God's ways, reveal God's ways. And in this psalm, it's to, it's to the nations, it's to all the peoples of the earth. It's to reveal God's character, reveal God's ways, God's laws. What you need to understand is the law and the, the ways of God in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, this was like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were the ways, the laws of God that revealed and reflected his character. And they were through whom people were saved. They didn't have Jesus in the Old Testament. We are saved by Christ. In the Old Testament, they were saved through the law. 
which basically demonstrated the ways of God. So that is how salvation comes to the ends of the earth, because it comes through understanding God's ways, through God's law. So let's move on to the next line, because I love this line. It says, may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. It actually repeats this further down the psalm. If you were kind of paying attention when I was reading it, it's, there's a symmetry. The first two lines are repeated in six and seven, and then line three is repeated with line five, and four is standing alone. But this is line three and line five. It's repeated twice. And the psalmist says, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. There is a strong argument from this line that the mission of God is not evangelism, it's actually praise. The mission of God is, is the praise of the whole earth, is the whole planet resounding, erupting in praise. That is God's intention and purpose for the planet, is praise. And it's really interesting to think and dissect, why is that? Why is that God's intention? It's not that everyone be saved, it's that everybody erupts in praise. Now, I think that this is so because there is something about the global community, the peoples of the earth, responding to God's blessing in an appropriate way. If you think about the magnitude of God's blessing, the appropriate response for God's blessing is worldwide praise. That's what this line is saying. Worldwide praise is the appropriate response to God's blessing, God's blessing on the earth. Now, I'll tell you why. It doesn't make sense when I say it like that, but I'll tell you why. If you think about the principle of giving and receiving, have you ever given something to someone? You've given a gift, and it might have sacrificed. It might have been a huge sacrifice for you. You've, you've given up a lot, and they've not acknowledged the gift. Has that ever happened? You've done a kindness, but it's not been acknowledged. You've sacrificially... I don't know, supported someone, sponsored someone, but there's been no acknowledgement of your gift and sacrifice. Every now and again, I know I probably do, I probably forget to thank somebody. And if there's anybody here who says, you forgot to thank me, Kate, then come and find me afterwards because it was an oversight. But every now and again, I, I, get, I feel a little bit hurt because I'll give a sacrificial gift to someone and they don't say anything back. And I remember last year, I, I gave £100 to somebody and... I came up to them again. I thought, maybe they've just forgotten to say, oh, thanks for that. And I said, you did get my gift, didn't you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I sort of gave them another opportunity. And I said, you know, was this enough? Was my gift enough? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, the, the more I was pressing for some response, and you probably think, Kate, you should be able to give without receiving thanks. It's true, I probably should. But I thought it's a, it's a point of character, isn't it, to not thank someone and I begin, sometimes I think, are we in an age which is not very good at giving thanks? Is it something that we've lost in our culture, in our Britishness? We just feel entitled, and if we have things, we're not grateful. So, in fact, I was uh, chatting to Zoe the other day, and I said, I've got some thank you cards uh, to, to send with you to your new life in Asia. And uh, is everything all right, by the way? 
And uh, she said, oh, I won't be needing those. <gasps> I said, you won't be needing to thank anybody. She said, yeah, well, we don't really do that these days. Um, everyone does it by text. And I actually agree. You, you're saving trees. A text is fine. Um, but I said to her, you must remember, you always thank someone, whatever gift it is. And I told her this story about when I was a young girl, here we go again, and I was made to write thank you letters every birthday, every Christmas. My mum sat me down. We had to write pages and pages. And I remember every, Christ every Christmas I used to get really annoyed because I've got to write another letter to Auntie Fanny. And she only ever gave me one pound. I thought, I've got to write one, a letter to Auntie Fanny. One pound, is it worth it? And uh, I used to get really annoyed. And my mum, you write, you like her name, don't you? Auntie Fanny. She was, <laughs> she was a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. Anyway, she, she was a very sweet lady. And I had the opportunity once to go to her home and see her in her house. And I had no idea she was very poor. She lived in one room. And uh, she had this sort of like, do you remember those sort of bead things that dropped? And uh, it separated her room from her bathroom. And I remember playing with her little beady kind of thing that sort of separated the doorway. And I was plaiting it and I broke it. And every single bead just went whoosh. And I ran out, terrified. And I wouldn't go back in. I was so ashamed. But when I had seen her and, and damaged her house, I came away thinking, oh, this woman hasn't got a lot of money. She was a spinster. She was born between the two wars. And all the men had been killed off, so she'd never married. She'd never had her own children. And it was very, in the 70s, it, it was quite difficult being a woman on your own and, and, and being able to provide for yourself. But, you know, she would give gifts. And all of her grandnephews, grandnieces, they would all be remembered. She remembered our birthdays, remembered us at Christmas. Anyway, when I realized what it cost her, the generosity that she was showing and how... What, what a nice thing it would be for her to receive all these thank you letters back. Anyway, I, I wrote pages to Auntie Fanny after that, pages and pages, thanking her. She got the most newsy Christmas letter of all because she deserved it. But I think what the principle is about giving and receiving and, and giving and thanksgiving is that I feel like when, when I give, that I am... I feel a loss in myself because I am, I'm giving something which was valuable to me, but I, I've now lost it because I've offered it over to somebody else. And so I sort of feel slightly diminished. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've given something which sort of diminishes me because I've preferred that person and I've, I've lifted them up, lowering myself and given them something that I feel they're more worthy of. If they don't acknowledge my generosity and they don't thank me for my gift, it's almost as if my generosity doesn't exist. It's almost like the, the, the giver doesn't exist. And, I, I, just, and I, I can feel completely like obliterated. And also, if I've, if I've given sacrificially, when somebody thanks me for it, it's almost like saying, your generosity is of equal value to the gift that I'm now in possession of. And so that way, I'm lifted up, aren't I? Does this make sense or am I just crazy? <laughs> Am I crazy? You're all thinking you're a very ungenerous lady. I, I try to be generous. <laughs> so giving and thanksgiving, it's an important reciprocity. I said that right. But it's important. It's a reciprocal arrangement. When you give, somebody thanks. And then the two of you are lifted up. I lift you up and you're thanking me, lifts me back up. We're all quits. Now, I now I'm going to kind of apply this to God and God's gifts and God's blessing. 
to us on the earth. Because there are a lot of people who live and they can appreciate some of the wonderful, beautiful things that are, are given to us and, and we are blessed in our lives by. You know, you can look at a, a, a sunrise, you can look at landscapes and think, wow, the earth is beautiful. I'm so, yeah, I'm so lucky to live here. And some people can just receive that gift and they don't acknowledge the generosity of God from whence that gift came. They don't, they, it's almost like that generosity doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is a gift. I'll take that, I'll have that, thanks. But then God is the giver. God's generosity is obliterated. So thanksgiving and praise is important because it acknowledges the generosity of God. Our worship and our praise acknowledges the blessings that God gives us. So if you imagine the whole earth erupting in praise is the appropriate response to the blessing of God, it gives you some idea of the magnitude of the blessing, doesn't it? The greatness of the giver, the greatness, the awesome abundance of the gift. If the result of that gift is global, every nation in praise, that's the appropriate response. Wow, that is huge. So this brings me to my my third principle, which is worldwide praise is the appropriate response to the blessing of God. And then the last bit of the psalm is, um, may the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. And I love this line. This is right in the middle of the psalm. It's put there for a reason. It's the most important part. And this verse tells us or shows us that the blessing of God has this purpose. It's almost like this foretaste of something that we're going to experience in our future. The blessings of God, which result in us wanting to conform and reveal the character and the nature and the ways of God, there's something in that that's like a foretaste of something that's to come. Now, the Israel, the Israelites believed in a Messiah. They believed in a king that would come and restore their peoples, their honor, their dignity, and he would bring a perfect rule on this earth. Christians believe that the Messiah is Jesus that Jesus is the one who came 2,000 years ago to establish the kingdom of God, to start it off, to kickstart it here on earth. And the blessing that he came with, uh, with him, the blessing that came with him was the spirit of the living God that comes in us and reveals the nature of God to us. And it produces the likeness of God in our characters. So this blessing, the blessing even spoken about in the old Psalms, they believed in this future where there was this perfect king who ruled the nations with justice, with equity, and the the nations resounded with joy and singing and celebration. Do you know, that means there's nothing miserable on the earth anymore. No more pandemics. There's no more corruption, sin, suffering, death, wars. All the nations singing out in praise erupting in joy because we've we've come under this rulership of this heavenly king who rules with justice he rules the nations with his wonder and his peace his goodness his generosity and love so what does that mean for us what does that mean for us we've got a psalm here that tells us so much about the blessing of god 
that blessing is to lift people up so that we reveal the character and the nature of God, which will cause the nations to resound in praise, which is a signpost and a promise and a taste of something which is to come, of the age to come when Jesus is enthroned and he rules over us. What does that mean for us today? Well, I think it means that there is a, a kind of a need for us to grasp hold of it, particularly to grasp hold of blessing. I think we need to be like that psalmist on our knees, crying out for the grace of God, saying, God, bless me. God, bless me. We need to be asking for the blessing of God, whether it's God, bless me with a job. God bless me with a wife. God bless me with adequate finances so I can support myself and others. God bless me so that I can reveal the nature of God. God bless me with the Holy Spirit that I'm empowered to live a godly life. God, would you bless me? And we ask God to bless us so that we can reveal the nature of Christ. We can reveal the nature of God to the world around us. So number two, how are we doing that? Do we earnestly seek to reveal the nature of God in the way that we live, in the way that we behave? Do we really seek to reveal the character, the ways, yeah, the laws of God even, to love, love your God, love your neighbor? Do we reveal those? Do we seek to walk in those ways? And number three, how good are we at being thankful? It's a Really, really important discipline. I know that they use it in programs to help people fight depression and even alcoholism. They, they teach people the importance of being grateful. And I think I try and get up and, and be grateful for five things in the morning, grateful to God and say, thank you, God, this blue sky has come up again. Thank you for the wind I can feel in my hair. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the food that's in my fridge this morning. Thank you, because everything comes from God. We need to be practicing being thankful and being grateful for the good things that God gives us. And the last one is I think we need to be remembering what is ahead, that we are on track, we're on course for a kingdom of God that's eternal where the perfect reign and rule of Jesus happens. And when we experience God's blessing in this life, we need to recognize it. This is just the beginning. This is just a tiny taste. It's a morsel of what is going to come, what is going to be our full experience in another time, in another age. So this is what we need to be doing. This is what we need to be taking hold of when we read this kind of psalm. So ask for your life to be blessed. Pursue righteousness. Practice praise and thanksgiving and look forward to the eternal kingdom. So I'm just going to end now with a prayer and pray that you'll be able to do this and empowered by God to do these things. So if you want to just bow your heads with me right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, Lord, the blessing that we need comes from above. There is one blessing alone, and that's the blessing that comes from God. And Father, I pray for every single person who is hungry to see the blessing and the transformation of God for good in their lives. Would you bless them where they are? And Lord, for those people who feel like my behaviors do not reflect a holy God, Father, would you bless them and be gracious so that they will be empowered to reveal the nature of God, 
to others through their lives. Holy Spirit, come and bless, transform our habits and our behaviors so that they're in line with your goodness and your glory. Oh God and Father, help us to be grateful, help us to be thankful and always be looking ahead to your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.